Hi, my name is Amy Valentine, and I'm excited to share with you an interview that I did recently with Wendy Oliver as part of her Building the Bridge series, which is focused on various aspects of education. Wendy and I talked a lot about school choice. We talked about it from different perspectives. Now, I don't want to give away anything that you're about to hear in the interview that we had because it was really exciting and full of energy and momentum. But what I do want to highlight for you is a shift that we've seen in our country. School choice is, uh, is something that's very exciting. It's something that's student-centric, and it really is about finding the best school or educational option for a child. Previously, there were a lot of different definitions for school choice. People had, you know, people have connotations based upon their personal experiences. But what the pandemic has given us is an amazing opportunity to redefine and reconsider what choice means for families. It's about informing parents, empowering families to choose the best school and schooling option for their child or for their children. I hope you'll enjoy the conversation that I had with Wendy, and thanks for listening. Welcome to Building the Bridge, connecting parents and educators around online learning. I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Oliver, Chief Learning Officer for Edison Learning. Each week, this podcast will present targeted, practical strategies for both teachers and parents to ensure we are all on the same page in successfully navigating the digital education world together. Thanks for joining me on this journey. And now, please enjoy today's episode. Our guest today is Amy Valentine, CEO and Education Evangelist of Future of School, an education intermediary organization mobilizing change in American K-12 education from a one-size-fits-all system to one that ensures all students reach their unbounded potential no matter where their learning takes place. Amy and Future of School support the growth of innovative school models integrating blended and online learning. Their programs include a student scholarship program that rewards students who participate in blended and online learning and the Innovative Educator Prize, which empowers pioneering educators with grant funding that enables them to bring programs and tools into the classroom to transform the learning experience. Today, we have a very timely topic with School Choice Week taking place this last week of January. We're going to talk about choice and options in learning and the expanded options available in 2021 and beyond. Amy, thank you for joining us and taking some time to share your insights. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Wendy. For our listeners who haven't heard too much about the traditional school choice debate, can you talk a little bit about what's typically involved in that conversation? Yes, I can. And I think it's it's a really important, great place to start because prior to COVID-19, prior to the spring of 2020, I think that it was, you know, it really was the minority of families in our country and people in general who knew what school choice was. So starting out with just the general definition of it, school choice, it's a program or policy in which students and their families are given the choice to attend a school that's different from their local school of residence, that's different from the school that they're assigned to go to prior to COVID-19, you know, I'll frame it like that. Until a, a, a parent had a child who struggled in school or until the family had a life-changing event, there really was no need to consider options outside of that school that they were assigned to. And so school choice was, there's definitely been an increase in families who are interested in it. We saw that happen in the 1970s when there was a, a big increase in families 
families and push from families who wanted to homeschool their children. They wanted an option that was protected legally other than their local school of residence. For the most part, we haven't reached a tipping point in our country where school choice is known what it is. And also school choice historically has been very, it's been very politically charged and it's had different preconceived notions of what it means. So I think starting with that definition of what it was before COVID-19 is really important because it's been a positive thing, empowering parents and giving them choice and where their kids go to school. It's meeting the needs of the learners, but at the same time, historically, it hasn't been available to everybody. So that's where we see the challenge. A little point of clarification. One of the things that, if I've said it once, I've said it 10 times, as a result of COVID, one positive thing is that parents now realize that they have options and that they have choice in the public education system. And I believe that parents feel empowered at this point, albeit stressed, but also empowered. And I'm wondering, from your definition, it sounds like there's a difference in what I'm saying when I make that statement and what you're saying about school choice. Or do you think that the two overlap? I think that there's a natural progression that we've seen from the traditional definition that I'm using. That's just a standard textbook definition of school choice pre-COVID-19 to where we are today. We're talking the same language. We're on the same path. It's just a matter of identifying that the pandemic was a game changer. COVID-19 made it undeniable to everybody in our country, not only parents, but to citizens and to business owners and to policymakers. It made it undeniable that parents should have the, they have the right and they should be empowered to choose the best learning environment for their children. It really pushed this in-mass education out to our country, where the challenges and struggles with our education system have been where the limitations have been related to access and equity. And it's, it's changing the landscape of knowledge that parents have and empowerment that they have, that they, they do have the right to choose. And so I, I think that we're, we're speaking the same language. It's just a matter of seeing that we're moving forward. It's definitely a positive thing. I think I would agree with you on that. It's interesting that it took a pandemic to make that happen. But, you know, there are opportunities to build on progress that's been made. That's what I hear you saying. And to expand on that definition of school choice so that we can give students this equitable opportunity in the present and in the future. What are some other opportunities that you're seeing for students? What what are the opportunities that school choice is kind of rolling out for these parents as they look for different options? Going back to the point that you made, Wendy, I completely agree with you. I'm not sure under what other types of, of, of circumstance could we see this the the K-12 education system shift in one way and open up in another way to allow for the very, very, very quick onset of building options into into districts and schools for kids. Historically, school choice, that phrase, has been affiliated with going outside of your local school to find a different option. Maybe it's a charter school. Maybe it's an online school. Maybe it's a blended school. One of the biggest opportunities that I see is that Districts and schools have the opportunity to build choice within their existing communities and within their existing schools. So there was a Gallup poll that surveyed parents in August. The results of that very much support that statement. 36% of parents who were surveyed said that they wanted their child to be in an in-person 
learning environment. 36% said that they wanted them in a hybrid learning environment. And 28% said they wanted them in a remote full-time online learning environment. They didn't say where. They didn't say if it was at their local school or outside of the district. But schools had to respond to that very quickly. They had to say, okay, how can we, in the spirit of keeping everybody healthy and what we're permitted to do in this pandemic environment, how can we diversify learning pathways for students to meet the demand of parents? We're going to see choice within schools and districts, which is really exciting because it's going to break down the tension that existed previously, I think, with people challenging. We don't like charter schools because they take enrollments. They take funding away. No, it's the funding should follow the student. You know, I would propose that school choice, it needs to be redefined, but it also needs a new moniker. Maybe it's parent choice. Maybe it's choice in learning. Maybe it's student choice. But I think we're going to see that evolve and grow in the months and years to come. So to expand on that, again, I'm hearing you say it's about choice in learning, right? It's not it's not just yep. school choice. It's it's a type of learning that these students are going to experience. And that makes the conversation much more personalized at the individual level. What fits this child's need to align specifically to a family's needs? Because every family has a different situation. How do you think we can creatively combine options to meet those needs? You know, for example, do you see that public education is going to drastically reform or do you think we'll follow similar models but bring in different types of schooling uh, or do you think it's going to be you know, this huge transformation into a, a gig economy of education, for example? I think it's all of that. I think we've already seen the rapid transformation of our K-12 education system. Like I said, I'm not sure under what other, other conditions we would see some of the you know, long-held policies such as seat time or standardized testing, those policies and requirements have been in place for decades. And in the spirit of public health and safety, they were turned off, turned on, put on the back burner, put on hold in a matter of hours. And so we know it's possible to transcend the historical policies to be able to to be able to reimagine what education looks like. You know, in an ideal world, it wouldn't be because of a pandemic. In an ideal world, it would be because everybody's reached a point of enlightenment and said, the role of the teacher is critical. And schools do a lot in addition to, to direct instruction for kids. That would be the best way it could happen. But unfortunately, that's not how it happened. It's, it's coming out of this point of crisis. So the transformation has been happening. I think it's going to increase because now that parents are aware. And they're saying, I didn't realize that there was a hybrid option. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that Johnny learns better being in this remote environment. I would have never imagined it as such, but what a gift is that now that I can see that. And so as parents get to know much more intimately how their children or their child learns and realize that there's options available to them, even if they didn't know that prior to February or March of 2020, that's going to be an empowering feeling that they're going to explore. So I think parent demand is going to drive choice. Uh, the impending budget cuts that are coming are going to force schools to have to stay in the mo modality of creativity and how they offer, what they offer to students. And that competition is going to be a, a positive, healthy thing for school leaders to look at and say, okay, we want to serve students in our community. What we did up until this point was working, but how can we make it work 
better and best for our students. So you said so many wonderful things just then, Amy. One of the things I've always told parents, even if even if I disagree on whatever point it is in the conversation, I always tell them you should be the number one advocate for your child. And I've said that since I was in the classroom as a teacher. Uh, and that's absolutely what you just said is driving this conversation and this change in education as it should be. Uh, and I'm so glad to hear you say that. I'm also glad to hear you say that with that parental push in public education, we're not going to go through the motions. Um, and, and I believe that's a lot of what your organization does to support teachers so that they're implementing these different types of learning with fidelity so that this learning can be personalized for students. And that's wonderful to hear. And I think the competition is going to drive that because you don't want to just go through the motions. You want to see these students be successful. And that brings me really to my closing question for you. We're in this for kids. Are there any notable success stories of students that you've worked with that you would like to share? It's hard for me to narrow it down to one because I'm so fortunate and lucky, Wendy, to run a national nonprofit that gives scholarships to kids who have graduated from high school as digital pioneers. They've followed some other pathway in any type of high school setting. They can be in a traditional brick and mortar school and take an online classes through the district, or they could be in a homeschool setting and they attended a blended co-op. So these kids are pioneers. They are the early adopters who have said, this isn't working for me, or there's a better way for me. And what can I do to embrace my student agency and my choice to be able to follow a different path. We have given scholarships to kids in every state but three. So they're not in states where they have historically, quote unquote, have had access to school choice options. And we also give grants to teachers who are innovating in the classroom to meet the needs of their students. So I am steeped in stories, their testimonials, their experiences every day, all day. And we've been doing this work for six years. And so it's very difficult for me to identify one story, but I will share with you. The one that comes to mind is one of our scholarship winners from 2018. His name is Jamar and he struggled in the traditional setting. It was hard for him. He was disengaged. He had gotten suspended several times and he was almost expelled from school for behavior. And in his essay, he articulates the challenge that that was for him because he was interested in content. He just was disengaged with the way that teaching and learning was happening. And so him and his parents found out about uh, another school within the district that had a blended model that had project-based learning that seemed to fit his learning style better. And so he transferred over as a sophomore to that school and he just flourished. They had the project that they were working on was designing a building for their new school. His project won, he graduated at the top of his class he went on to be one of the Education Reimagined Fellows when he graduated. So now he attends college and he's an Education Reimagined Fellow and he's one of our most fervent supporters and, and student ambassadors because his story of the turnaround that happened, he was not a bad kid. He was an amazing kid. There are no bad kids, but these labels that follow when kids struggle in school, they have an undiagnosed learning disability. They are advanced and they're bored in class. Those stories are so powerful because when we put choice in their hands and in their family's hands, it literally changes the trajectory of their life. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Just the difference in him being allowed to work in a school in an environment that's project-based and using his hands and 
We have so many kids like that, that are getting in trouble because it's just not the right fit for them. And I could hear the smile. Uh, <laughs> you know, people say you can hear a smile. I could hear the smile when you were talking about Jamar. That's awesome. And I'm so glad to hear that your organization is trying to help these kids find a good fit. Um, Cause I can imagine that his confidence soared um, when he found uh, the right learning environment. So you mentioned the scholarships, um, not only for students, but also grants for teachers. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about these opportunities? Sure. Every year we give up to 30 scholarships out to graduating seniors who have been a part of online, blended, or um, tech-based programs. They're scholarships for post-secondary attendance of in any type of setting, four-year universities, community college, vocational tech and trade. It's very important that we're giving awards to students to pursue whatever their passion is in the higher ed setting. So that's why we designed it that way. There's scholarships of up to $10,000. More information can be found on our website, futureof.school, and there's a link for our scholarship program. It's been an amazing opportunity. There's stories from our previous scholarship winners on there as well for listeners who, you know, they may be interested in the scholarship program, but they may be interested more in the stories that are told from those winners. So those are available on our website. And then we also have a teacher grant program that gives grant funding of up to $10,000 to educators who want to transform their instructional design in a blended learning environment. And so again, we've been doing this work long before the pandemic, and we're in a great position to be able to give opportunities and provide the resources needed that so many educators need to make that happen. I mean, first, I want to say thank you for the work that you've done, dedicating your time to blended and online learning over the years. And then I want to say thank you for sharing your time and your valuable expertise with our listeners. Thank you for listening to Future of School, the podcast. To learn more about Future of School, including our student scholarship program, innovative educator prize, and other efforts to highlight and accelerate purposeful innovation in schools, visit our website, futureof.school. Follow us on Twitter at futureof underscore school or connect with us on Facebook or LinkedIn.